Okie dokie. Welcome, guys. Everybody, welcome to podcast number three. Today, we have a very, very special guest, Alex, who's actually one of our uh, scholarly tutors. So I want you guys to all uh, get excited because we've got a uh, we've got a lot to talk about. Alex is a uh, certified big dog alongside all the other uh, podcast members. Like I don't bring on people that I don't think are big dogs, right? So everybody write this down. Steve only brings on big dogs onto the onto the podcast. I don't bring on like little dogs. But the point that I'm trying to make is Alex is really awesome because he uh he scored 99.95, but not only that, he got into combined medicine at the University of Sydney, which is arguably uh, the best medical program in Sydney, that is. Um, and he did it at a pretty young age. So he, he he got straight into the combined med program, and that's really, really competitive. Even if you get 99.95, it's generally not enough. So uh, we'll talk about Alex's experiences doing that. I think that'll be really interesting. Um, other than that, I also wanted to talk uh, about Alex's kind of upbringing because I always think that's really important. I mean, uh, all of our tutors have scored at 99.95. If you guys don't know already, Stephen only hires 99.95. But the point that I'm trying to make is uh, everybody who scored 99.95 has a different kind of upbringing, right? It's not like all of these guys went through the same um kind of training or the same kind of upbringing and so it's really interesting to take to, to get different perspectives or different opinions on um you know how they were raised and how they actually ended up doing so well okay so without further ado um alex welcome welcome oh, yeah thanks steve <laughs> good man uh let me yeah so alex how about we just jump right in what was alex like in primary school like yeah so I think my parents were always very like encouraging of like doing a broad variety of things like I always did sports like a couple of sports like soccer and tennis I always did um instruments so I started off doing piano when I was maybe like four and like my parents were always like um that music was like such a big thing for them um growing up that like for instance my like my mom played when she was very young and we still have that same piano from England when she came to Australia so like it's like um something that she found that was always very helpful as like keep connected with something else um to kind of like zone out um so I was always doing like a lot public speaking in high in primary school as well debating in primary school so we won some like of our um like primary school competition so I was at a public school um and yeah in terms of work it maybe was like I was just in like a public school like maybe I was like above average but you know I was never like a genius or anything I never did like OC or selective like that wasn't really on our radar when I was younger yeah, that's, that's really interesting so when you were a kid obviously your upbringing was very very different to what the scholarly kids now have to do right yeah it was <laughs> definitely so so like my question is and I think this is an interesting thing because I've talked to you I've talked to Colin I've talked to James right and you guys have basically all told me the same thing, which is from kindergarten to year six, you really didn't do that much work. Like you didn't get into a selective, um, you know, and even when you went to Newington, you didn't even go for the scholarship exams initially, right? Yeah. No, I didn't. Yeah. It was just not even under your radar. So like, what were you doing? That's what I'm curious um, about. What were you doing? Like, let's say year three, year four, like, would you just do work at school, come back home and just play? Like, what did that look like? Yeah, so I was always like, like my, I just remember like my parents were always like busy working. So when I'd finished school, I'd always go to like the after school care 
And I was always kind of the kid who would do his homework. So like, it wasn't like I was doing nothing, but I just do whatever I was given. But I feel like what I was given just wasn't enough. Like I often did like the years above, like I would still do their work because we were in composite classes a lot. So I found I was just doing the same work for like two years in a row each time in year three and in year five and year six. So like, I feel like it was probably the access to stuff that that was different rather than like, like myself. Like, I feel like I always did work and was always hardworking, but um, yeah, different kind of access to like um, stuff as well. Like I didn't have school, for instance. That's really interesting. Cause you said when you were in year three, you were doing year five work and then when you're at year five, you're basically doing the same thing. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Yeah. And and you you feel like you had the capacity at year three to do the year five work, right? Like there wasn't like any issues. Yeah, I feel like just the public system like didn't promote like extending that much like or like pushing people. Like I feel like I could have learned algebra much younger, but I just didn't. I just wasn't exposed to it at all. Okay. Um, yeah. That's really interesting because uh, do you because you were like always searching for it right like you were always the type of kid who would be actually curious like give me more work whereas mm -hmm. a lot of I think kids out there don't really have that mentality like do you feel like there are a lot of kids that like because obviously you would have a class of 30 people right like you know yeah um were there any other kids who were like that or would you say you were kind of like the only one or like there were a few of you or like what did that look like uh yeah, I do think for me, like a lot of my drive is just like internal, like it's, it's self-motivated. It's, it's like, it's quite interesting just because like my parents don't really push me or like didn't push me. Like when I was in high school, even like they never looked at my assignments. Like I told them what I got sometimes just like <laughs> out of interest, but it wasn't really something they were tracking. It was more like myself and that drive, which is kind of interesting. That, that, that is really, really interesting because uh, you're not the first person that I've talked to who said that. And I'm thinking, but where does that come from? Where does that internal drive come from? Like, it, it, you can't just say like it's genetic. Like, it, surely it comes from somewhere. So, do you, like, you know, what was your earliest childhood experience uh, with having that internal drive? And like, how, how did that, or how, was there like any event or anything that you saw that, that drove that? Um. I'm not yeah event wise like I always was like competitive at least and that contributed to the drive when I was younger why were um, you competitive so like public speaking competitions even in kindy like I was in the finals you know competing against others swimming like I did swimming so racing mm. uh, like sports like it was always something there but it was just a general like I feel like it didn't matter what I was doing. I wanted to do well in it. So it was kind of that idea. That, um, no, okay, so that makes sense now. Because when I asked Colin the same question, I asked him, you know, surely you were doing something because it wasn't like you weren't doing anything. You weren't studying. You weren't like da-da-da-da-da. And he, he told me, he said, you know, he, he played piano to a very, very high level because he went to a performing arts school. And I think you're basically saying the same thing right now because you're like, hey, you know, I actually performed at the high, like, I don't know where you performed, like in terms of swimming or, you know, where you swam, but there was that competition that was being fostered in fields outside of academics. And then it was just a matter of, because that was your personality and you dealt your personality that way. That's why you brought it back to academics. So now that, that leads me to my next question, which is, 
Uh, did anyone make you go swimming or was swimming your own choice as well? And like, what was the other thing, public speaking? Like, was that your own choice or did someone push you into that? Yeah, so I think like swimming was always just as a, like a, you know, when you're younger, like you just swim, you just swim. So that you set for safety. Um, and I guess like the competition, um, like I didn't like do like the very highest level, but it was just, just being like in competitions itself was like enough, um, you know, having some wins, some losses, I think, that would have like come from like definitely like my parents obviously would have chosen for me to swim or to participate in public speaking but I from like a very young age I was always just very talkative so like I used to get in trouble for just speaking in class or screaming out the answers in kindy like I remember my mom saying that when they had parent-teacher interviews when I was in kindy the teacher's like yeah I can't control the class Alex is just screaming out the answers and my mom goes are they correct and she's like yes they're correct so like <laughs> and then my mom's like I don't care then like so like, I don't care yeah, yeah. so like it, it was just always like kind of um directing my interests that's how I would say it like if I was good at speaking I was like why don't you try out this competition or oh. um, de try debating and stuff like that as well but I definitely had support that's for sure yeah I don't know how many parents are actually listening to this because this is really really important right like it's like Alex wasn't ever pushed to do anything um he was, he kind of just became curious about all of that. Now, my, my next question to you, Alex, is more so what, what do you think would have happened if you were pushed like academically? Well, like, let's say you had something like scholarly back then. And I'm guessing your parents would have never sent you to something like that, but let's say they did. Let's just hypothesize. Do you think that might've caused you to go on the other way where you wouldn't try? What do you reckon? Um, I'm not sure it would. I mean, if, if I could see the value, I guess, in going to Scully, like in hindsight, like it, it is a really good program. Um, and, you know, you can save like, for instance, I went to a private school, you can save like literally hundreds of thousands um, through scholarships, but it's, it's more, I think it would have added an extra pressure. So I always put the pressure on myself, but if I was pushed academically, I might've done more than I needed to, even though like what I was doing was enough, if that makes sense. That's really interesting because I keep on saying that you guys are like, you know, um, you and Cullen uh, and James, of course, and the rest of the 0.95s that are high, you guys are like really, really smart. Like when I look at you guys, I think you guys are like, you know, like genius IQ people, right? Like I'm not genius IQ, I'm like average IQ with some business acumen and stuff, right? But when I look at you guys, honestly, I think you guys are exceptions to the rule because Actually, let's talk about this now because this is directly pertinent to you because you have access to the smartest guy, the smartest people in Sydney, right? Like as in you're currently in the combined med program and that, yep. you know, the requirement is to get 99.95. What, like surely you've talked to them. What are they like? Are they intrinsically motivated like you? Or do you think they've been pushed? And, or is there a combination? And if so, what are the percentages like? Okay, so I think a lot, I'm not sure how many of them would be um, like intrinsically motivated. I think a lot of them probably, like they did actually, a lot did come from, you know, um, selective schools like Borkham Hills and stuff like that. Oh, what um, are you trying to say, man? What are you trying to say about selective schools? <laughs> well, I mean, I mean that they always had like something like beyond just, you know, the education, like selective yeah. schools, like try and push you to do your best, you know, get into those professions. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I feel like a lot of them weren't even sure on like med as well. So like, mm. I feel like that kind of shows that they were aiming for like excellence, but not necessarily driven by, um, you know, a certain goal, mm. um, like a clear goal, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, because obviously a, a 0.95 is never like guaranteed, right? So some people are like, when they get them, they're like, okay, I'll try out for UCID. But it's, yeah, it, it is interesting. Like from the people I've spoken to, uh, some of them do just come from like some of them just do seem like very ordinary people um, and yeah like not all of them are geniuses and I'd actually argue most of them probably aren't they're just very hard working yeah um, yeah yeah what would you what would you say to parents out there because obviously if you wanted to talk about it of course because your parents like even throughout high school they didn't really care like they didn't they didn't care about like you know what kind of grades you got or whatever did they or I think they didn't need to care like I, I, there's a slight difference <laughs> like it's like it sounds bad but like oh the arrogance is real here last week we had Raj now we got this guy no worries it's probably no, just in that like arrogance. they always knew okay. they, they always knew I was tracking well so they didn't okay. need to like worry okay yeah. okay um uh what was gonna ask there was an inappropriate comment in the YouTube that I just saw that was anyway uh what i was gonna ask was what would you say to parents out there who are like overly pushing their kids well actually no sorry the, uh, the other thing that i was gonna ask was more about do you feel like your parents instead of telling you what to do they kind of demonstrated it themselves like by just working really hard like in their careers and you kind of might have just sensed it through them like through their demonstrations of hard work what do you think? Because obviously both your parents are like pretty qualified, you know. Um, do you feel like there was anything there? Like you were just learning via osmosis from them? I actually, I do. I definitely think that. Um, I think I always knew that they did it like extremely well as well. Like medicine, like some of my, my parents, like they, it was just as hard to get into um, back then. They had interviews, you know, they also faced like extra barriers. Like my mom was like, like a, um, Indian like woman in England they usually just like pick the white guys like to stereotypically um, when she was younger so she had to face like extra like, adversity on top of that um, I think definitely there was that uh, that they both like worked really hard um, and it was and going back to that point about like my parents caring I think all my parents cared about was that I got into what I wanted to do so I wanted to do med they knew that was high stakes like they even like questioned me a lot like do you really want to do this like it's difficult like they knew from experience mm. um, and yeah in some ways they were more stressed than me like before my exams like going in like just um hoping that I can get into what I want to do um, mm. because they knew that that they just wanted what was best for my own um, ideals yeah yeah, no, yeah. I, that's really interesting because uh yeah like they kind of almost pushed you away from it like through the questioning I'm not sure if they were doing some like reverse, you know, psychology stuff, but to be honest, it worked, eh? But yeah, like, like, like I think it's really interesting because uh, I think a lot of parents have words, right? That they say to their kids, right? Oh, you should do this or you should do that or you should do whatever. And I see that with a lot of like, you know, the parents at Scholarly where they're like, oh, you should do this, you should do that. But words are kind of cheap. You know what I mean? Like words are kind of cheap. Like I, I remember as a kid, like, I used to respect my dad a lot because he'd work seven days a week and I wouldn't see him in, uh, like until like really late at night on, on weekdays or on the weekend. 
And that's why when I started working, he didn't need to tell me, hey, Steve, you got to work seven days a week. Like I knew, like I saw him work seven days a week for like, you know, my, my entire childhood, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the first 18 years of my life. And I think demonstrating is just so much more powerful than telling somebody to do something. You know what I mean? I'm pretty sure you've had that experience in class where, you know, teachers like telling you to do something and you're like, uh, really, do I want to listen to you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's a very interesting point. Um, and kids, everybody who's watching this, of course, you should be listening to your teachers. You know what I mean? Like very, very important to li- listen to your teachers. Uh, you know, I was just, you know, making an analogy just then. Um, so please don't think anything of it. Um, let's continue. So tell me, what was it like in high school? Because we have a lot of junior high school kids, right? Like finish year six, year seven. What was year seven, year eight, year nine, year 10? What was that like? And how do you think your trajectory from year seven, year eight, year nine, year 10 was different to the other kids who didn't get 99.95? What'd you do differently? Yeah, so um, in year seven, so the school I went to still had like standardized tests. There was still like two, what they called A classes. I mean, I didn't even make those. So I wasn't in the top 60, they said, when I was going into the um, school. Um, but as soon as year seven started, like something kind of like changed, maybe I knew that this was all leading towards like a final ATAR um, that was different from primary school where you just kind of go through it and then get to the next stage. I mean, for scholarly kids, they have selective, but um, for like the majority of the populations just going to high school. And like, I definitely like, like year seven, like topped my class um, and then like my smaller class of 30. Um, and then off since then top five in my year for the rest of high school so it was oh, wow. a pretty big like leap from that would have been a huge leap because you are like when you get came in they obviously gave you an entrance test you didn't even make the top 60 and then first year you said you were top 30 yeah first year top 30 and then after that yours and the top five yeah oh okay and like how many hours would you study a day like what was you seven like you know for alex every single day come back School. Yes, seven was just doing what I was given. So like I didn't study more than was expected. Hmm. I just did what I just did what the teacher kind of said, like set homework, I would do it. Or if there was a test, I'd do the past paper instead of just like not doing it. So like um I feel like in year seven and in early high school, it's not actually too difficult to get like good grades if you just like actually do the work you're set and you know, actually, you know, make up some study techniques for yourself and see what works for you. Yeah, yeah. And then what happened? Like, at what point did you realize you maybe have to do a little bit more than just what the teacher told you to do? Like, was there a year? I think that partly, you know, um, the people around me kind of pushed me to do better. So when I went into year eight and was in one of the A classes, um, the people around me I saw like were taking notes in class, which is something I just never did in year seven. And I was like, oh, maybe I should try that. So I just started doing that kind of learning through osmosis of those around me too. And yeah, I guess just kind of adopting like the traits of people I thought were really smart, like around me until I was, yeah, at I their level. Of- kind of like them. Okay. And then you exceeded them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really interesting. So there were people taking notes around you. You just started taking notes. And at what point did you start going beyond just taking notes? Like, was there any point in time, like in year 11 or 12, where you started like learning ahead of schedule or were you always just kind of on schedule? Teach told you to do this, you did it. And then you just went at that kind of pace. Like, did you ever quicken the pace? Did anything ever change? 
Yeah, so I think year, year 10 stuff got more serious, but I still like stayed at the same kind of pace as the school. Mm. Uh, but year 11 is where um, I started to like go ahead. So if there was a slideshow, I would just, I would read ahead just out of interest, just to um, familiarize myself with concepts before they got introduced in class. Yeah. So I could consolidate them or ask more questions um, rather than trying to like catch up with what's actually being in front of me. Yeah, yeah. So, Did you find that that like really helped you like in terms of marks and stuff or did it help you cope or like how did it benefit you in, in any way, if any way? Yeah, so I think that I started just to be like more self-aware in my studies. So I started to work out stuff I didn't understand. And then I would, for instance, ask my teacher for extra questions on that topic. Um, or I would like, yeah, or I would just study a lot more as well, just to prepare for tests um, before they came as well. Like a week before a test, I'd be studying for it, for instance. Were there any big failures in year 11 and 12? Oh, my first, I think my first Latin unseen passage, I'd got like 49%. So yeah, that was, that was the one thing for me. Um, and I was like, after that, and I was right at the start of year 11, I was like, oh no, I chose the wrong language um, because I was also very good at French. Um, yeah. But yeah, in the end, it was fine. It was like, I talked to my teacher about it. I was like, like, so what do you really think I did wrong here? But I think the biggest issue was just the dictionary I used was like, had like 60 meanings for each Latin word. So that was okay. probably the tough part, but um yeah, he was very like encouraging. Like I think just recommendation to all is just to get extra feedback whenever you can. Like that's something I always did. Yeah. So when I had a philosophy essay, um, for instance, that we'd write weekly um, yeah. on a topic, I'd always send in a draft before it was due and and use my teacher's suggestions to get like the top marks each time. And and your teachers would always be receptive to like uh, you know helping you guys out with like you know the extra work that you'd hand in, right? Yeah, exactly. They'd always give me feedback or if they didn't I would like swap it with another student or something like that and give feedback on each other's so I think those around you you can also draw upon lift both of each other's up I guess in HSC yeah it is competitive but you can both yeah help each other I guess yeah yeah so that's the interesting thing about private schools because I'm not sure if um selective schools have that like I'm sure there are very very good teachers at selective schools who are willing to work outside of time to kind of uh, you know, help their kids and, you know, stuff like that. But I remember, you know, even at my time at Newington, that was a big thing, right? It was like, you know, uh, teachers would always be very, very helpful. And they'd always actively ask, hey, do you guys have any essays you want to give out? You know, you uh, for corrections and stuff. And that that is, I think, extremely beneficial. That kind of trumps uh, private tutoring or, you know, anything like that as well. Actually, one question, did you ever get tutoring? Like, you know, throughout year 11 and 12? No, I never had tutoring for year 11 and 12. Uh, so guys, I want you guys to listen to this, right? Alex has never gotten tutoring. Wait, did you ever get tutoring from kindergarten all the way to year 12? Maybe early, I can't remember if it was before kindy or just near kindy. Oh, just before kindy, Alex got a little bit of tutoring, but yeah, he got 99.95 without any tutoring, basically. Um, and Colin's the same. Colin never got tutored. He never had any tutoring. But then again, what I'd like to say to everyone is Alex's parents were both doctors. They're both doctors, right? Oh, they both work in health. My mom's a doctor. Dad's like a manager nurse. Sorry. Oh, okay. Okay, cool, cool. Um, and then Colin, from, from my experience, I think his dad's a lawyer. So they're all very, you know, pretty esteemed careers, pretty well-educated. 
I think that probably has has a pretty big impact on you guys. You know what I mean? Because I think it's quite different. Um, being the son of a migrant child is it's a different experience because oftentimes our parents don't know the language very well. Um, you know, they're not competent in English. And so they need to go send us to, you know, different other places. But yeah, that's really interesting. Commonalities that I'm seeing between Alex and Colin. Crazy, crazy, right? Crazy. Um, what I was going to say, the other thing that I was going to ask is uh, what was it like preparing for, you know, like year 12? Like did stress levels go up or was it always pretty consistent? Because now I know you, you're pretty like, you're pretty mellow. Like you're always like chill. Uh, it's yeah. never a, 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 like a big problem has was it like that during u12 for you as well i think it was stressful in that i would treat like quizzes that were worth like almost nothing like as as if they were everything yeah. um because i just thought that you know if i can do well in this quiz i'm going to do well in my final exam like it's just kind of how i treated it i'm like making good notes before a test like I used the same notes I made um, in year 11 for some subjects for year 12 final exams as well. I didn't need to rewrite them uh, because I made them to a high standard. I think the stress levels were up, but so long as I was like, I always felt like I was on top of stuff. Like I've always been the person to get stuff done in advance. So I didn't have to like stress at the last minute. So I would stress maybe to a lesser degree for a longer period, but not all at once, like at one go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you, you feel like that pressure that uh, you kind of put yourself on each exam, like in terms of trying to, trying to strive for excellence on each little exam, do you reckon that helped you on the final exam? Yeah, I do think so. Um, but yeah, I think in some cases it was a bit like, it was too much. Like when I first started year 11, like I didn't do as well as I wanted on my chemistry exam, for instance, cause I just like stressed about it way too much. Yeah. Um, and part of that stress comes from like not knowing exactly how you want to study. So I originally started studying chem by just going over my notes a lot um, over and over. But then I realized just, I just did practice questions. And since after that, I was perfectly fine for every other test. So like it kind of showed me how I should, like it tailored my approach to those. Yeah. Things. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause it's a very different um, exam technique oriented thing. Yeah. Cause I remember there were kids who would spend all this time in high school this is probably good advice for you guys who are watching this right now. They spend all their time curating like the most perfect notes, right? Like, you know, and then they'd spend 80% of the time there and they'd spend 20% of the time, you know, doing, you know, past papers and they will just flunk the exam. They will just, you know, do terribly. Um, my question for you is, surely there were people that you were competitive with in year 10 who weren't, who weren't up to your level in like year 11 and 12. What was the difference between you and them? Because I remember the first time I hired you, you told me that you didn't expect to get the 45. You said you weren't going to get the 99.95. So when it came, you were kind of like, what's going on? So that might have been Cullen. I'm not sure. Oh, so you expect to get 45 all along? Yep. Oh, okay. Okay. You know, oh, I did in year 12, not year 11. Yeah. The arrogance is real here. But anyway, let's continue. So, Alex, how are you different? What did you do differently to the. Oh, uh, what, what kind of drawbacks or pit, uh, pitfalls do you reckon those other kids fell into? I think part of it was either some people went like too hard too early. So they tried so hard in U10 mm. and 
when they got to year 11, like everything kind of changes with structure as well. So I suppose you're a little bit more accountable with your study. Um, teachers aren't like spoon feeding you in year 11. Like it's like some people got really fostered by the competition as well and were like, oh, if I'm not going to come first, like I may as well just not try. Like they, like some people get like that and it's it's a bit odd. I find it odd. But um, I think if you get too caught up in the competition and don't like stay within yourself and your own improvement, um, it can be like harmful. So, but I also know people who did really well who, you know, drew on that competition for motivation as well. If they didn't have that intrinsic desire, they can use the competition to um, yeah. help them. So it, it's kind of a weird thing, but year 11 is a big change. You don't get the same marks as year 10. You yeah. have to find your study technique. So even if you do bad in like year 11, you can still get there in year 12. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I it's think learning from mistakes, I think yeah. mainly. The key is just understanding yourself and figuring out what works for you, right? Like, like yeah. that's probably the most important thing. Yeah, you mentioned something really interesting, which is like people go too hard too early. And I, I think I've seen it so many times where people have like a set goal. They're like, okay, HSC. And they go hard out and they're just like, hey, I've got HSC now. And then because they went so hard out, they forget that, hey, wait, there's still uni. There's still life after uni. There's still job, there's still house, there's still the Maserati that you need to get afterwards. And they kind of forget the whole spectrum. Um, and I think you guys need, like guys, you're running, you're running a marathon, right? It's not a sprint. And so I think even for kids nowadays, like don't put too much stress on yourselves on, on a daily basis, right? Like if you're not doing that well right now, you still got time. Um, if you put too much stress on yourself too early on, what's going to happen is you're going to burn out. If you're burning out in year five, like Alex is talking about kids burning out in year 10, right? If you're burning out in year five, uh, there's definitely something like, you know, you just got to figure that out, okay, right? You got to make sure that you, um, you just don't burn out too early. And I think for everyone, it, that comes by, uh, like Alex said, understanding that competition is important, but also not jumping too much into the competition. Like understanding that, hey, you're on this journey yourself, and I'm pretty sure, Alex, you didn't really compete with other people, right? Like competition was never a, a big thing for you. It was more like just intrinsic, like you want to just do the best you could possibly do. And that just happened to be a 45. Yeah. Or more because I just wanted to do medicine. So I knew what I needed and I just went. Yeah. Out. Yeah. And then you, you didn't really look sideways and, you know, care about what other people were doing or saying or. Yeah. I, often we would all just help each Like I would try and help other people as well. Like they'd come to me for help. I'd help them. I'm happy to, yeah. Cool. cool. Happy to boost all of us. Yeah, yeah. That, that's uh, that's definitely something you can do on IB. I think uh, people who do HSC have a very different take on that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, doesn't matter. Um, what's studying med like for you now? Oh, sorry, not studying med. Studying science part of of science part. Yeah. So, yeah, it's really interesting the kind of the way that like uni works. It's it's kind of a continuation of the same kind of self-drive that I've already had. Um, what I've noticed actually at uni is that a lot of people drop off. So a lot of my like super smart friends that are now doing other degrees like um, law, commerce, engineering, they all like just want to pass now. So obviously they've like, they're adults and now they've got different priorities, but passing is their goal now. Whereas, you know, for, for us in med, we still have to, you know, maintain grades and, um, like do certain subjects that we might not even want to do like like certain statistical math stuff as well 
um, before med. So I, I think for me, it wasn't too big a transition, but for some people, they find it really difficult to self-motivate and because mm. teachers don't even tell you there's an assessment. You just have to see that there is and just do it yourself. Like yeah. sometimes you're not even told. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that happen to a lot of people as well, um, especially in law, because a lot of a lot of kids in, in Sydney Uni law were only there because they got the ATOL. You know, they like, you know what I'm talking about. And half of them, half of them couldn't even speak. Like, I'm like, how are you going to be a lawyer if you can't even speak? Because half of them couldn't speak. Uh, they couldn't even talk. Um, and they were just sitting there in class and, you know, doing like, you know, obviously pretending to study and, and like you said getting peace because all that mattered to them was just getting through the course so i think what alex has mentioned is really important you gotta have a goal like you gotta know like whatever course you go into you gotta know why you're doing it and i think uh you gotta be really really honest with the reasons as to why you're doing it so for raj it was like he wanted to be a dentist because his you know local dentist seemed to be like the local hero that was his story that's why he wanted to do dentistry um, and obviously he wanted to buy Maserati as well in a house before 25. In Alex's case, why did you want to do medicine? I think, yeah, I mean, I spent like, just to tell you, like when, when I had a goal, right, and I got the ATI I needed, I got scores I needed to get interviews. Before doing my interview, I spent like weeks trying to like articulate why I wanted to do like medicine. And I realized that it, couldn't be like brought down to any one reason ever like whenever I did it and I think a lot of it came from experience so for instance um I remember like so my sister like had like a major spinal surgery had like a spinal fusion uh, and being there like experiencing like the doctor's compassion but not just doctors like nurses physiotherapists like that hospital environment was such like an active place so that was like one of the reasons um and I think like for me, I always wanted to do it for a young age, but like that pure reason wasn't there, but the drive was. So it was, it was odd for me, but it also partly was to do with like my exposure to it through my parents as well. Um, and like the good it can do. And I guess the effect that it can have on others' lives. And for me, I was also very personable. So uh, like that, that kind of face-to-face -face talking in your job was something that I like definitely valued um, in a career. Okay. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. What do you have to say then to people who get forced to do medicine just because it's a prestigious career or people whose parents want them to do medicine, but they don't really want to do it? What do you have to say to them? It probably isn't worth the effort you have to put in if you don't want to do it. Um, because Can you explain to the audience what the effort is? Because I don't think some parents don't realize like, what is the effort that it's going to take to become a doctor? Yeah, so, well, you start off in high school and, you know, you got to aim for those top scores. That's pressure on you already. If it's not coming from within you, then it's um, probably associated with disappointment if you don't get it. Um, for me, I was always going to do med, like whether I had to do it postgrad or undergrad. So it didn't, I was going to do it either way. So <laughs> like, and even I was discussing my parents, like if I don't get in, I'm going to do it anyway. So I'm going to get in somehow. Yeah. Um, but if it isn't you, then you risk burning yourself out because you don't have a reason to like kind of ignite your inner fire. Yeah. Um, but then even when you get to like university, for instance, you're going to get a lot less holidays than the rest of like your friends. 
yeah. um, you're going to have to like, although it does become more about passing, like you're going to be spending like your time in the hospital during the weekdays doing emergency placements till like 3am, uh, like while studying, while sitting exams. And then even when you're finished, you're not going to get paid that much for like years to come. Um, and you're going to still have to train. Like you're going to be learning for like, for instance, I worked out, like I'm interested in cardiology. It's at least like, I'll be at least in my mid thirties when I become a consultant. So like, it's not, it's not an easy path and you, it's just not worth like if you if you're interested in money it's not the easiest way to make money like that's not why I, I did it at all mm. I, I think it's real because um me and Raj all have friends and I've got other friends as well who are all kind of in their mid-20s like late 20s and I know so many cases where people just did med and like to be honest guys like if you study medicine at uni, it's actually not that hard. Like that's probably the easiest part of, of the whole me medical journey. Like, don't get me wrong. That's the easiest part. Like, and that's, Alex already says it's hard, but I've seen so many people go through it. Like if you get in med, you're going to pass. Okay. You're not going to fail. Right. Like you're going to pass. You're going to get the degree. But I think where it becomes difficult is I know plenty of guys who, who went into medicine because they're like, I want to make a lot of money. And then I know some of them who are like uh, 27. There's one guy that I know. He was 28 years old. He graduated from, oh, sorry. He graduated like 24, I think. And then he did one year of, you know, the thing that you do right after you graduate from medicine, like as a placement or what's Internship, that yeah. Internship. He did one year of internship and it was like, I'm only making like, you know, 50, 60 grand. It's not enough. And then he, he, he switched jobs. He started doing consulting at McKinsey, right? So you have a lot of cases where people finish the medical degrees and realize, hey, you know what? I'm not getting paid that much right now. And because their heart's done in medicine, they end up going to something else. And look, I'm not saying it's a waste, but it's like, you could probably have found that out like a lot easier rather than putting yourself through seven years of, of a medical degree. But for those who love medicine, um, I think uh, I think obviously, yeah, go for it. Like, why not, right? Go for it. But I think the warning that I have to, to everyone who's like listening here is, um, you know, I think most, most people are a little bit too young to consider that. They should just probably work on getting the full ATAR first, like 99.95, and then worry about whether they want to do medicine or not. Um, so get the full ATAR first. And then, but afterwards, I think, yeah, you guys really need to have a strong reason for doing it because you're going to be living at home until you're like 30 because you won't have enough money to move out. And uh, yeah, like if you love it, that's great. But if you don't, don't know what you're going to do, right? Um Alex, how, how can someone foster a love? Okay, so let, let me paint a situation for you. Let's say we have kids out there, because I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of kids out there who are in environments where it's really, like medicine is really esteemed as a career, right? Like, uh, and let's just say that they don't really love it right now. What are some things or what, what are some ways to increase the probability that they will like like medicine or love medicine or develop a passion for medicine because obviously for you it was kind of opportunistic right like you just happened to be there when your sister was getting that spinal um surgery so what do you think kids can do like are there any books that you'd recommend are there any like people that you'd recommend to to, to get them to follow like what would you do yeah so it like there were experiences that shaped my interest but i was also just curious to know if it was right for me so 
I also did other things. Like I was a medic in a cadet unit. Uh, my school luckily had one, but you can do um, volunteer um, ambulance stuff as well. Like obviously not in primary school, but when you're a bit older, um, you want to have those experiences to use in your interviews anyway. So it's like a double thing. It's like, is medicine right for me? But also if it is, then I've got like, you know, something to back up my interests. Mm. Um, so I also did some placements um, in a mental health clinic. And I saw like some new kind of advancements that they have in terms of like detecting brain waves and stuff like that using like electro um, like kind of static things. But um, yeah, I think definitely if you're interested, go out and actually explore the field. Like if you, if you don't like hospitals, if you can't deal with, you know, um, death and sad stuff like that. I mean, obviously like you don't have to before you're 18 to deal with any of that. But if you can't even see yourself dealing with it or having those like supportive structures to help you through it, then it probably isn't right for you. Like I think I can't imagine you avoiding like death or anything like that because as an intern, like part of your job is like signing death certificates and stuff like that. So you will be there when people die and stuff as well. Yeah. So I think what Alex has said is just kind of, you don't really know until you try it, right? Like, and you should, just put yourself out there, put yourself in experiences where you're in the hospital and where you're actually going around and, you know, seeing what it's like. And if you like it, great. If you don't like it, then probably think about something else. Yeah. Okay. Um, so where to now, Alex? Where, where, where are you? You mentioned radiology. Um, what are you going to be working on in the next years? And where do you oh, I think I said cardiology, but <laughs> that's okay. Cardiology. They're all similar. Um, they all sound similar. Um, so current, like, so even this semester, um, I was doing some research. Um, you can like, there's plenty of research units at UCID, especially if you get like an over 98 ATAR, they have a special studies program uh, that you can join. So there's research units there. So I did one this semester, and we looked at. Um, x-ray dosimetry so that's like how they administer radiation dose when they treat cancer so that mm. is kind of related to radiology but um, I just got randomly assigned to that project but yeah if in the future I'd definitely be doing some research especially during the science part to really be exposed to medical fields so um, I'm thinking of doing like one at a hospital next year you can do projects that involve like speaking to patients about their health outcomes and stuff like that mm. um, and yeah, I guess that there's a lot of opportunities in the medical course as well to pursue a specialty you're interested in. For instance, you might be learning about um, like bodily systems or you might do a placement in cardiology. And if you like it at Sydney, like they allow you to kind of do this like concurrently with med to kind of go into the hospital and like be a part of that specialty if you're interested in it. Like they're more than willing um, to kind of foster that kind of passion in that specialty as well. Wow. Um, so yeah there's heaps of opportunities in terms of specialties you're interested in and even if you don't know quite what you want to do you can like try them out you can try out research mm. as well that's really interesting man so like they're pretty flexible because i heard um because i remember i had a friend who uh this is way back but she told me that you guys can do master's degrees like when you like in between the science and the MD or you can do it concurrently, right? Like when you're doing the medical degree. Like, yeah, you can. Yeah. Okay. And you can, you can just choose whatever you want to do that in like whatever research. Yeah, they have, they, if you do like even in the med course, cause it's an MD, they also have a long research project. You mm. can choose to do like a, like a 16 week one 
or you can choose to do one over like nine months and you get to pick the topic um, and work with a specialty um, wow. and also kind of hopefully get it published too. Okay. Uh, so that helps you get into the specialty board as well. So you need yeah. research under your belt too. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Okay. Um, did you want to say anything to the kids? I think, yeah, like just don't be pressured just to do like medicine or law. Like there are a lot of like very difficult and like high ATAR courses that you can go to and like never think that you're wasting an ATAR because you should have like, I would try and have a goal, especially if you're in high school now, a goal of like try and find a goal that's like more tangible. Like if you need 96, you get over 96. Or if you want to do med, like aim for that 9.95, like you can definitely get there. So I think aim to the goal and don't think you're wasting an ATAR just because you got 9.95, like, and you didn't yeah. do med. Yeah, yeah, I think and that's- You'll get a scholarship. So it's like, it's still beneficial. Like it's never a waste. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's really interesting. I think um, looking in hindsight, look, I think I definitely- enjoyed commerce and law when I did it but I would say that there was definitely a pressure to do it you know what I mean like even for myself because it's like you don't want to you you work so hard you don't yeah. want to it, right you don't want to waste it and I think um yeah most people aren't very intentional about that like most people don't really think I think as intentionally as you do Alex about you know what do I really want um I will say to everyone though, and I think Alex probably agrees with this, is get the highest ATAR that you can, okay? Like even if you decide you want to do commerce and you only need like, what, 80 or 50 ATAR? Yes. Uh, okay. would, like try to get the highest ATAR possible, right? Like, cause you, I, I, like it's just, important, yeah. you know what I mean? It's just important to have those opportunities because you might decide you, want, you don't want to do commerce at, you know, Notre Dame Uni, you want to do commerce at, you know, UTS, for example, and then you need to go from like a 60 ATAR to like an 80 ATAR. Or maybe you want, you decide you want to study commerce at UCID and uh, Notre Dame and not Notre Dame or UTS or whatever, right? And maybe you need a 95 ATAR, nobody knows, right? So I think um, try to get the highest ATAR possible. Um, and obviously it'll really help if you have a solid goal, right? Like, uh, like, like uh, medicine. Uh, we have a couple of questions from the from from the kids right now um everyone's asking alex are you married no i'm not married <laughs> he's, he's not married he's not married i think there are a lot of um yeah but alex alex will be married eventually yeah eventually <laughs> actually eventually okay so every, everybody alex is not married do we have any like educational questions no yes no okay I think everyone's just interested if you're married or not. <laughs> uh, Alex, did you go to a selective or a private school? We told you at the very beginning, you went to Newington, which is a private school. Um, did you game? That's interesting. Did you play video games, Alex? I did. <laughs> okay. I play. So explain the extent of your, uh, your video game playing. Like what, what, what would you do? Oh, I think I played a lot in year 10 and 11 and year 12 like only a tiny bit so year 11 I was probably just playing whenever I could I did a lot of activities so I didn't actually have that much free time but in my free time that's what I was doing so much. you're playing games only after you finish your homework right and everything else oh yeah I wouldn't like my friends wouldn't play when they had homework as well so we'd just do it on like a Friday night or like a Saturday 
Like it wouldn't be throughout the week. Okay. Weekends. Okay. Uh, did you ever pr procrastinate? You don't seem like a, a person who would procrastinate. So did you like ever? I don't, I do procrastinate, but that everybody else does, right? I've got a pretty strong will. So I don't like, if I have something, I'm not going to like go out of my, like go out of the house. So I don't have to do it. Like I would just, I would just like, I don't know, like eat something, then come back and do it. Like I, I pretty, I find it annoying if something's not done, if that makes sense. Ah, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. I don't find it annoying. Actually, I do find it annoying when things aren't done, but yeah, I procrastinate like a lot. Like, especially now, because I'm just lazy. Okay, I work hard. Guys, I wake up at 3am every single day. Anyway, uh, we have another question. Alex, do you have a girlfriend? I don't currently have a girlfriend. He doesn't have a girlfriend. Okay, guys, I don't know where these questions are coming from, okay? Like, Alex is a honorable gentleman, right? And you guys are asking a whole bunch of very inappropriate questions. Okay, let's ask another question. Did you enjoy studying? Oh yeah, I was going to talk about that. Mm. So I actually, all the subjects I did, I chose because I enjoyed them. Mm. But even things like that I thought would be boring, like sometimes like English, like even though I was very good at it, it wasn't always like my passion. Yeah. I kind of forced myself to like them, if that makes sense. So I, I tried to try to make light of the subject and tailor it towards my interests. For instance, uh, English, a lot of the time it's talking about like political stuff. I did debating. I was very interested in that stuff. Um, I'm also interested in social justice. So in my essays, I would just go a little bit over the top about those things and it worked well. So like it did it. Okay. I tried to engage. I tried to push my interest on the subject, even if it wasn't that interesting itself. Hmm. That's, that's, a, that's a very, very interesting way to put it. So basically making the subjects interesting by catering it to you know, whatever you're interested in. Yeah, or even just telling yourself that it's interesting when it's not, like, so I kind of did. And, and, and that works? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Like, even maths, like, I think sometimes, like, oh, it's just maths, but then you're like, it's satisfying. So then when you say it's satisfying, you're like, oh, okay, so you'll just do it. Okay. It's not like English, you already write a full essay, so I thought maths, oh, I can just do, like, little chunks of work at a time, so. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so that's a very optimistic mindset, I think. It's just, you know, finding the good bits of each and then, you know, focusing on them more than, you know, I hate maths because, you know, I can't do it. Yeah, that. don't try yeah. not to, like, say, I hate this one subject because so many people did that and just did bad in that subject. Like, that's just what happens when people, yeah. Yeah. When people say that stuff. Power of the mind. Like, if you say you don't like something, you're not going to get it, right? So if you say you don't like Lambos, obviously you're not, you're not going to get a Lambo. Just like if you say you don't like people who... Uh, get very high scores or you, you say you don't like English you're, you're not going to do very well at English um, okay interesting question would there be a difference if you did tutoring I feel like you would have gotten worse to be honest I, I think I actually think that it I knew how I needed to learn if that makes sense and I think I'm not sure tutoring would have helped me much. Um, I also found that in high school, like I didn't just rely on my teachers, like for chemistry, for instance, I learned from the textbook. I didn't, my teacher, like I would look at the textbook. It would tell me what I needed to know. And then my teacher would kind of go on this really roundabout explanation of it. But if I wanted just exactly what I needed for my exam, I'd just go straight to the source and like, yeah, do it that way.
Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's that's just a way to think. And I think what's really important, guys, is we can take snippets of what Alex says, but you guys need to understand that Alex is genius IQ, right? And majority of you guys, like, I know Alex laughs and Cullen laughs when I say this, but I know when someone has a genius IQ, right? Most of you guys don't have genius IQ. Most of you guys are average. I'm average, right? I'm not that smart. Um, so just be aware of that. Be aware of these recommendations. Um, so if you said, hey, you know, I'm not going to do any study until you seven and be like, Alex, hey, <laughs> you might be on my podcast in six years time with a 99.95. Maybe. I don't know. But it's red. It's red. Um, okay. What is... What year would you recommend to begin intense study, Alex? Intense study. I think there's never, like, I think you should always try and do your, your best in a test, but because you guys have like this experience of trying to get into OC and selective, like you might put too much pressure at the start. So I would just say, I don't know what year. It's hard to, I think I always applied my best effort yeah, um, yeah. and that just changed as the years progressed. So what I needed to do to keep up with the work to do well in tests changed and I just applied my best effort to that stuff. Yeah. All right. I think, um, I think what Alex means is he always put his best effort forward and then in year 12, he might've put like a little bit extra, right? But you kind of always put your best, best foot forward like all the time. Um, and I think the, the great thing about Alex is he doesn't waste time. Like most of you guys spend like three, four hours a day gaming. Pretty sure Alex didn't do that as a kid. You know what I mean? Like Alex is like Chuck Norris. Like, you know, he doesn't, you know, just waste his time doing just random things all day long. By the way, there's actually one other really interesting thing that I wanted to talk about that we all, I almost forgot to mention. Correct me if I'm wrong. There are 30 kids in medicine, right? Domestic yep. students. 30 domestic. And there were three kids who got in from Newington, correct? Yeah, three of us. Three of, uh, three of you guys. Uh, tell me the distinction between IB and HSC. Because I, I keep on hearing these stories about they're like, oh, they don't like IB kids or like stuff like that. How many other IB kids are there in the, in the medical course? You know? Two others. Two others. So there's only five of you guys in total. Yeah. How many, how many turned up to the interviews? Were there a lot? A lot. Yes. A lot of IB kids. <laughs> so in other words, would you say that they have biases towards certain IB schools or to certain IB... Mark, so what, what, are your, what, what are your thoughts? Actually, maybe this might get you in trouble. So let me talk. Let me talk about this. Let's not get you into too, too much trouble. But if we just do the calculations, that's five out of 30. And there were 60 or 70 people who turned up to the actual um, interviews, right? Yeah, probably more. Probably more. And how many of them were IB? Like, do you know approximately? Probably half. Half. And only five got in. So then... Um, I think the most important thing is uh, obviously the interview took out a lot of people, right? Um, do you know why that might have been? Why they might have um, kicked out some people from the interview and not let them in? And why magically there were three Newington boys who got in? I think the, uh, the, I think the main reason for that is when you get to an interview, it really shows whether you had a passion or not for medicine. Yeah. Um, even if you don't have a passion, like as you said, people get in. The reason why is that because they still worked 
really hard to like prepare for those interviews. So I know for me, like I did a lot of mock interviews uh, just with, well, I was lucky my mom, my mom's a doctor. So with her colleagues, mm. um, I get feedback. I would spend lots of time drafting different responses or like not like drafting like word for word, but just like dot pointing experiences that can back up my claims Mm. Um, stuff like that so I think at the interview stage it's really obvious whether or not you're passionate about medicine and they will not take you unless you convince them that you're like going to be the next best doctor that's out there like yeah um, yeah yeah. and especially for the UCIDS program because they only select so few they want to make sure that you're a sure bet like that's what they kind of tell us that you will be a sure bet and that you will be a leader in medicine yeah. Um, and not kind of drift off into another profession. And so they based on the best, right? Yeah, they I guess they only take the best. They, they want the best. Yeah. Well, I'm very happy for, for Newington. Obviously, <laughs> you know, I had a field day with three Newington boys. How crazy is that? And now they're all working at Scholarly, the next best place. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Um, okay, cool. Anything else you wanted to add, Alex? Or... Um, oh, I was also going to say, for some people who don't have an initial passion in medicine, it is actually possible to get one as you're studying the degree. Mm. Um, I guess, like, as we said, we still don't recommend you do it if you definitely don't know. But if you're just, if you don't have any, like, inclination towards any job and, you know, you get the score, you think it might be interesting, like, then you would still go for it anyway because yeah. chances are there's going to be something for you in med as well. Yeah, because uh, it's, it's broad, right? It's it's, it's so big. broad. It's yeah. so broad. Like, yeah. Yeah, I think that's true as well. I didn't know what I wanted to do at 18. And the only option that I had was really come law. So I was like, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Uh, I think that's, that's, that's true. Like a lot of, a lot of us don't actually know what we want at 18. Like yeah, I don't most know. don't. Yeah, I, I was a large exception. Like I asked all my friends, none of them knew. Whereas I was always like, even in year 10, still knew what I wanted. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and yeah, I think that that's all the questions, right? I have a lot of uh, random, just low, low key questions in the comments, but I don't think we have time for that. Um, anyway, that is basically it from today's, uh, today's little podcast. Hopefully you guys found it all useful. Uh, like I said, Alex is a certified big dog. He is very, very smart. Um, Alex, which class are you teaching right now? Year four and high school foundation. High school foundation is English. Yeah, high school foundation is English, yeah. So Alex will be teaching that next time as well. Um, and oh yeah, we we're going to talk about debating. We we're going to talk about debating as well, but we'll talk about that afterwards. But yeah, Alex will be one of the coordinators of the, um, actually the manager of, of one of the, the big uh, debating courses that we're going to be opening up at Scholarly. So that's going to be very, very interesting. Um, there are a lot of big dogs in that. And so, yeah, there will be a public speaking and debating course in term three for anyone who's interested. And we'll do a big webinar on that next week. Anyway, that's it for me today. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Alex. Yeah, thanks, Steve. All good, Norris. See you soon. Bye.